Welcome to The Love Drive. It's a show about sex, love, and everything in between. If it has to do with your heart or your genitals, we're talking about it. It's raw, explicit, and playful. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. What's up, my little freaky deekies? I'm Sean Galuanos, the host of The Love Drive podcast, a show about sexuality, intimacy, and freaky, kinky shit. Last week, we talked about vaginismus, vulvodynia, and other conditions that can make sex painful for women. And today, we're continuing the thread of sexual dysfunction, but we're focusing on men and the mighty penis, or what happens when that penis isn't as mighty as it once was. To talk to us about libido, erectile dysfunction, and premature ejaculation, I traveled to Las Vegas, Nevada to chat with my friend and family doctor, Scott Jacobson. Dr. Scott is a functional medicine doctor who focuses on helping his patients in a holistic way, meaning he doesn't only treat the symptoms, but rather works hard to find the underlying cause of those symptoms. In this conversation, we apply the principles of functional medicine to the issue of sexual dysfunction. We explore the various reasons why men experience a decrease in libido, how lowered libido can lead to erectile dysfunction, and how premature ejaculation fits into all of this. Surprisingly, the lifestyle choices we make can have a significant impact on our sexual health, our virility, and our ability to enjoy a fruitful and exciting sex life. Stick around. I'm excited about this episode. You'll learn what you can do today to improve your sex life, how to increase your testosterone naturally, and if hormone replacement therapy is right for you. We also dive into techniques for improving your sleep and decreasing your stress, which are two critical factors when looking at improving one's sex life. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Dr. Scott. Yes? Do you mind introducing yourself? Sure. So I'm a family doctor. I've been uh, practicing medicine for about 10 years, uh, trained here in Las Vegas and uh, started out with a uh, traditional primary care practice, worked for five years taking care of chronically ill patients uh, who were casino workers, had a wonderful time doing that, but really developed a passion for preventative medicine. And for the past three years, I've been uh, focusing my practice on functional medicine, which, which is a more holistic approach to medicine. Okay. And you do know why I have brought you here today. I've heard. Yes. (laughs) So we're going to be talking about uh, libido, specifically in men. Sure. Uh, We're also going to be talking about erectile dysfunction. And uh, you reminded me that we should probably also touch on premature ejaculation. Sure. Um, So I'm really looking forward to to this discussion. Because for me, as a a 35-year-old man, I have less libido than I used to. And I didn't actually ever think that that was going to be a thing. You know, I mean, at the age of 25, I had like a very exciting sex drive. And and lately, it's just not been as... And that's pretty typical. You know, I see that every day in my practice. Uh, you know, sex drive goes down over as we get older. And there's a variety of reasons for that. Uh, but... They're complex and uh, difficult to tease out most times. So, you know, oftentimes we have a tough time figuring out exactly what is causing it. What are the What are the major reasons for for lowered libido in men? Sure. So, uh, you know, we we kind of attribute it to old age. I mean, the, first of all, this is a really common problem. Uh, something that 
like I said, I, I see it every day in my practice. When, when people do talk about their sexual dysfunction, it's usually a tough conversation to start. So I, I like to ask about it because otherwise you, you may not uh, get a, a truthful response from somebody. What do you uh, ask? So I, I ask if you, uh, you know, how is your sex life? You know, for, for, I usually preface it with saying, I want to ask some personal questions. Is it okay if I ask some personal questions? Wait, do you want to do this with me? Sure. Okay. Sure. Oh, hey, Doc. How's it going, Sean? Uh, pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I, I'm glad you came in today. Uh, is it okay if we uh, ask some personal questions right yeah, now? Yeah, sure. Go ahead. Sure. So how's your sex life been? Uh, it's, it's okay. It's, you know, it's not, it's not as prolific as it used to be. Okay. And I'm not having as much sex as, as, you know, I used to have. Okay. Is that a problem for you? Yes and no. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, in the sense that, you know, I, I don't attribute my confidence with the amount of sex that I have as much anymore as I used to. But also sometimes I feel like I, I wish I were, I were having more sex or I had more of an interest or a desire to have sex. So let's stop right there because I think that you bring up a, a good point. And that's something that a lot of people don't think about, which is, is decreased libido necessarily pathologic or a bad thing? And I think, you know, a lot of people are very happy to have no libido. You know, libido is is really your drive for sex or you know, how much you want to have sex. Right. Right. And so, you know, oftentimes in marriage, this really becomes a problem or in relationships where one partner has a high libido or has a high sex drive and the other doesn't. And so, and that can change over time. But when you have one person who is fine with having no sex uh, and one person who doesn't, that's when it really causes problems. Sure. So, so really asking people, you know, how much it bothers you is, is a really important question because you can have a low libido and it may be a sign of something else going on, or it could just be normal, you know, old age, uh, but if it's not bothering them, we may not necessarily want to fix it. When there's a big disparity between libidos within couples, like that could be a that could be a source of friction in a relationship. But I'm not in a relationship, so <laughs> I'm not I'm not too concerned about it. But but I have noticed a decrease in uh, morning erections, yeah. uh, like spontaneous erections. Mm-hmm. And and just like a decrease in in desire. Sure. Well, there's a lot of things that influence what gives you an erection. Uh, so of course, you know we have neural influences. You know you have parts of your brain that are stimulated by fantasies or seeing arousal arousing pictures or you know seeing somebody naked or you know seeing a you know bit of midriff or whatever it is. Yeah. You know that stimulates a portion of the brain that sends signals down the spinal cord. You know into uh, the pelvis and, and you know causing an erection, activating the uh, parasympathetic nervous system, causing an erection. Uh, so that's that's you know the basic one. You also have tactile stimulation, which is actually a different nerve pathway. So actually touching your penis right. can can cause an erection, but it's actually a different neural pathway. Yeah. Uh, and then you have, you know, the you refer to the nighttime or morning erections. Um, that's also uh, a neural influence uh, that's associated with a REM sleep. So, you know, usually you have cycles of three to four uh, erections during the night. Uh, and they're associated with that REM sleep, which is the deep sleep that you get. Mm-hmm. So oftentimes, so they're, you know, asked, asked some of the things that can contribute to it. And there's a lot of medical issues. One of them is uh, obstructive sleep apnea. It's a very common condition these days. You know, it causes you to stop breathing while you're sleeping and you don't get into that deep REM sleep. Right. So those people are not going to have morning erections because you never get into the deep REM sleep. You never actually get those, those nighttime or morning erections. 
know, other symptoms of sleep apnea are, uh, you know, daytime sleepiness. So just feeling, even after getting a good night's sleep, just feeling exhausted, feeling like you could fall asleep just sitting on the couch or sitting at a, you know, red light in traffic or, yeah. you know, that, that kind of stuff. So again, that's one of the things that, that could be going on. There's all, there's, you know, also hormonal influences. So right. know, the nerve, you know, our, our nerves, our sensory input gives us a lot of, uh, a stimulation for erection, but also hormonal, obviously testosterone, obviously cortisol, which is the stress hormone has a big impact on all your other hormones. So right. if that's out of balance, your testosterone may be out of balance. Um, testosterone is actually a pretty controversial one, uh, because, uh, there's a lot of, uh, doctors who will, uh, prescribe testosterone, uh, for erectile dysfunction, even in people with normal testosterone. And actually there was just a consensus statement put out last week saying we should absolutely not be doing this, uh, that, you know, the studies show it just doesn't help. Uh, the symptoms for low testosterone are so vague and the normal range is so wide and we don't really have a good correlation between what your testosterone levels are and what your symptoms are. Uh, so testosterone replacement, you know, the studies show doesn't really help with symptoms of fatigue and libido, unless you're significantly low, less than 300. What does it help with? So, well, probably nothing, right? right. You know, and, and it co and can cause a lot of problems, right? Infertility? So, infertility is the big one I always talk about with, with patients, especially in their 20s and 30s and 40s who potentially want to have kids because... When you give uh, testosterone by injection or cream or pellet or however you're getting it, it's going to suppress your own body's production of testosterone. It actually starts in the brain. You know, when your body has high levels of testosterone in the blood, your brain set senses that there's too much and it reduces the hormones uh, called LH and FSH. These are the hormones that stimulate uh, both testosterone production and also sperm production. Right. So you're going to have lower levels of those brain hormones that are telling your testes to make testosterone and sperm. And if you're taking, you know, injections all the time, your brain's going to say, Hey, we got plenty, don't worry. And you're not going to be producing your own. And then, you know, oftentimes if you take it for long enough, then your body's just, even when you stop taking the testosterone, you know, the LH and FSH don't kick back in and then you end up, you know, hypogonad for the rest of your life. It means, you know, no testosterone and possibly no sperm production. Now, does it happen every time? No. You know, do we know exactly how long it takes? So it's different from, you know, for different people. Some people, you take it for a month and, you know, it never comes back or some people can be on it for years and then it does come back. So, you know, we can't predict. So it's always a risk. It's always something that I talk about with patients that, hey, if you want to do this, you know, be aware that this is a possibility. You know, we can try it for a few months and see if you feel any different. If you don't, then we should definitely stop. If you do, you know, maybe it's placebo, maybe it's helping. What I do in functional medicine is working on diet, working on stress reduction, working on, uh, you know, exercise and mind body practices in order to, you know, lower stress. You know, exercise is one of the best ways to naturally stimulate your testosterone. Some of the highest testosterone levels I've seen are people who are endurance athletes, people who are marathon runners, you know, cyclists, you know, people who just do tons and tons of cardio, their testosterone levels are naturally through the roof. Um, you know, 10, you know, a thousand, 1200 is pretty common for, for somebody like that. You know, what's the natural or the normal range is really wide. So we, and that's one of the reasons why it's really hard to, uh, to do these studies because, you know, a normal range is anywhere from like 300 to a thousand. 
right? And so where is the sweet spot? You know, we don't really know because there doesn't seem to be any correlation between the numbers and the symptoms. So somebody, you know, I've had patients who come in at 500 and they're severely fatigued and, you know, have no libido. Well, you know, are those symptoms due to low testosterone? Well, you know, some people would say, well, let's get them up to a thousand, the high end of the normal range and see if they feel better. And, you know, a lot, some people do. Um, but the big studies say that, you know, it's no better than placebo. Now, that being said, I'm a huge believer that the placebo effect is very powerful. You know, it is very powerful. We know that, you know, you give somebody a sugar pill, um, and they don't know that they're taking a sugar pill. They think they're taking a medicine that's going to help them. You know, about 30% of people are going to get better just from taking a placebo. Right. That's pretty, that's, that shows how powerful our mind is in healing our body. So just right. thinking you're taking something actually gets you better. Now, and it's even stronger for injections and even stronger for surgery. You know, if you, if you get a surgery done to fix a, a, a meniscus in your knee, uh, then chances are you're going to have some improvement of pain just because you believe you had something done. In fact, they've done sham surgeries on people where they, they make incisions, go in, but don't actually fix the meniscus. And actually more people were better with who had the sham surgery than had an actual surgery. So, you know, because you're actually removing some of the meniscus, you're, you know, setting yourself up for pain down the line. But, right. And so, you know, our minds have a, a huge influence over us. So is the, is taking testosterone when you're, uh, you know, 500 and bumping you up to a thousand effective, you know, maybe it is for some people, uh, but not certainly not for everybody. So low testosterone isn't, isn't necessarily an indicator or, or, or the reason for having a lowered libido. Absolutely. And, uh, and then you always in functional medicine, I'm always asking, why does somebody have low testosterone? You know, you can easily think in a lot of what we do in Western medicine, thyroid, for example, is just something that, uh, you know, we often replace if it's low, you know, thyroid's low, give you, give you thyroid, your testosterone is low, give you testosterone, but not really thinking about what's driving that, you know, deficiency in that hormone, yeah. you know, is it some, you know, food theory, is it stress, you know, do you have excessive cortisol levels or do you have depleted cortisol levels? Yeah. Well, are or, you overweight? Are you, yeah. Well, that's a huge one. And then, and, you know, when we talk about the, uh, um, you know, the most common causes of, uh, low libido or erectile dysfunction, you know, obesity is a huge risk factor. Lack of exercise is a huge risk factor. You know, they found, uh, that, uh, people who, who exercise less are going to have more, uh, uh, erectile dysfunction. People have less sex, have less or have more erectile dysfunction. Okay, so okay, that two, so two two branches here that we can go in. W one of them is is the fact that like when I have sex, uh, it makes me want to have more sex. Yeah, uh, <laughs> and my my friend explained it to me as uh, the the sense of conquering or having a, a feeling of winning, and that and that increases your self confidence, sure, which absolutely. then makes you more attractive, which then can lead to more sex, and it's just this. You know this this what is, is that self fulfilling prophecy? I don't no, know. No, absolutely no. I mean it's it's well. I mean it's it's uh, mindset. Yeah. You know, mindset is everything. You know, a, one of the biggest reasons for erectile dysfunction is is lack of confidence. Yeah. You know, or fear of not performing well, and that can get people into a really big cycle. You have one bad experience where you couldn't get an interaction when you're intimate with somebody, and then you know. Now, all of a sudden, it was so embarrassing and you feel so guilty about it. Is there something wrong with me? And then subsequent 
you know, encounters, you're going to have a hard time, of course, because, you know, that's always going to be in the back of your head and how much of it is uh, psychosomatic and how much of it is organic. And that's something we always have to, you know, tease out. Yeah, because you can start telling yourself a story that I now have a hard time getting hard. And so then you you have another encounter with another person, you have a hard time getting hard. Well, then that just reinforces the story that there's there's a problem there when there might not be a problem. Like I've, I've sometimes been on dates with women where I have wanted to have sex with them in the past. And that particular night, I just didn't, the desire wasn't there. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I didn't make a story that I have erectile dysfunction or that there's a problem there. It was just that like, for some reason, my body is not responding to this encounter, this person right now, today, because of whatever I'm feeling, might be stress, it might be fatigue, it might be I didn't sleep well last night, but I'm not going to start making a story until I know that there's actually something there. Yeah. And sometimes these stories are hard to get away from, you know, you, you can't help, but you know, it's a lot of people, their minds, you know, kind of just go there and you start you know, and that's where I think mindfulness and uh, mind body medicine can help train your mind to kind of uh, allow those thoughts to pass by without them controlling you. And we're going to we're going to talk about ways to start to rectify some of these issues. But before because I feel like libido and erectile dysfunction, while they're similar, they're not the same thing, but that some of the treatment can be can be the same. Sure. Um, so do you mind enlightening me on what the difference sure. is between, because you've used the word libido. Yeah. And so libido is, is really desire for sex, right? So you can have a low libido, um, but ha- perform, you know, fine. You're physiologically able to have an erection. You're able to maintain an erection. You're able to, uh, have an orgasm, uh, when you want to, but the problem is you just don't want to very often. Uh, and so that's that's really what libido is when we're talking about the erectile dysfunction is actually the ability to to get and maintain an erection. So a lot of people, you know, they can get an erection, you know, maybe they're intermittent with their partner and, you know, halfway through, it's just, you know, it's not it's not as hard as they want or it's not as strong as they want or it just disappears halfway yeah. through. Yeah. Uh, and so that's erectile dysfunction. Uh, now, the, so they are separate things and you can have one or you can have both. Yeah. Uh, and there's a lot of different things that can cause both of those things. You know, psychosocial is, is a huge one. Um, you know, certainly depression is, is huge for both libido and they often go together. Uh, and again, it kind of goes back into that cycle. You know, once you have some erectile dysfunction, it starts to affect your libido yeah. because you're not, you're, you, you, you want to avoid that embarrassment and that inadequacy that you felt when you, had this problem with an erection, especially with a partner. Yeah. So that's going to feed into the, you know, decreased libido. And, uh, and if you have a decreased libido, there can be a lot of reasons for it. Certainly depression is a huge one. You know, medical problems, medications are a huge one because, uh, many medications, in fact, eight out of the 10 most commonly prescribed medications can affect, uh, your, uh, your ability to get and maintain an erection. So, you know, things like antidepressants, SSRIs are huge, huge in implicated in erectile dysfunction. Right. I mean, that's one of the major side effects is people just don't want one. They don't want to have sex and two, they can't get erections for women. It's, it's actually, um, you know, obviously the libido part, uh, and also maybe lubrication. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, that can happen as well. Uh, so, uh, medication, so heart medicines, blood pressure medicines, beta blockers are really, uh, notorious statins, uh, actually can, uh, cause a, a decrease in erections. 
uh, or just decreased libido more, just not wanting to have. And and I think a lot of that has to do with energy production. Yeah. Uh, so statins actually affect, they deplete CoQ10. CoQ10 is a uh, enzyme that's used in energy production. Uh, so when you're depleted in a CoQ10 from being on a statin, you can't produce energy. So you can't produce energy. You're going to have, you know, problems with your hormones, both your tes- testosterone and cortisol. Um, cardiovascular health and or disease, I'm assuming has something has, it can have a role in erectile dysfunction. So people with heart disease, diabetes, you know, you can actually have physical blockages in the blood vessels. Right. And so, you know, if you, if your artery is not able to get a large amount of blood flow, then you're not going to be able to get an erection. That's a physical, you know, problem. Right. And so, you know, one of the tests, you know, when I sense, when I, I kind of usually do my workup and, you know, address all the, you know, medications, the depression, uh, you know, any other medical problems, uh, you know, assess their diet and their exercise and all those things. And if everything looks good, you know, and they're still not able to get an erection, I send them to a urologist who does uh, an injection of uh, medications that they, you literally inject it into, uh, into the penis and it causes an erection. And if, if you're able to, if you're physically unable to, then you still won't get an erection. And that's, those are people who have, uh, you know, blockages in blood vessels or nerve damage or other things where it's just absolutely impossible for them to get an erection. Yeah. No Viagra is going to help. Yes. Yeah. But- oh, this, this sounds like, uh, <laughs> you know, injected Viagra basically where you just. Yeah. And, and I've had patients who, you know, every time they want to have sex, they have a, a kit and they give wow. it a little shot and it, Works great. Sure. Okay. <laughs> if that's, if that's what you want to do. Uh, do they also do this thing called nocturnal penal tumescence testing where they basically like strap something to your thigh yeah. and they, they test your nighttime erections yes. to see if, yeah, see if, if you're getting them. Yeah. That's another, uh, that's another test that they can do. Yeah. Cause what are, what's the, what's the alternative to have somebody just watch you all <laughs> well, night Well, it's long. the injection. Yeah. Well, it, 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 that's to see if you can physically do it, but yeah, yeah, that's, that's another, uh, and again, these things are kind of semantic because, you know, it's really like, what's the problem? You know, yeah. I think, you know, most and early in my career, mostly what I would do is, oh, you have, you're, you're having problems with erections. Okay. Well, first we'll test your testosterone and your thyroid and all that stuff. If that's all normal, uh, then give you Viagra or just, you know, oftentimes doctors will just give you Viagra, which is just treating the symptoms. Yeah, exactly. It, yeah. It doesn't, now, now you're in, you're a functional, you're, functional medicine, more holistic, trying to figure out what's the root cause. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. And, and the Viagras, they work very well for, uh, for erectile dysfunction, dysfunction. Uh, people generally uh, tolerate them pretty well. They are, since they do dilate blood vessels in the penis and also the brain, uh, you can get like really severe headaches with them. I've never had, I don't have erectile dysfunction. There's, there's no problem there because, uh, you know, like direct stimulation, I get an erection. Yeah. I can, I can maintain an erection. I have no problem with orgasm. It's just that like, I don't do it as much as I used to. I don't, I don't masturbate as much as I used to. I don't look at pornography as much as I used to. And I'm a lot more discerning in, you know, the people that I have sex with. So just naturally there's less of it though. Spring, spring is here. Spring has sprung and, and I am feeling, I am feeling much more hopeful and excited about the future, mm-hmm. uh, my my sexual future. Sure. So we, well, we that leads me to think of one other thing that which is uh, alcohol and and drugs or uh, you know drug use a huge huge risk factor for erectile dysfunction. Yeah, I actually had that on my <laughs> list um, as being 
uh, one of the one of the biggest causes of sure dr- like drug addicts, alcoholics, mm-hmm. smokers. Yeah, yeah. Again, smoking uh, constricts the blood vessels. Yeah, so that's going to you know decrease blood flow because we want to relax the the blood vessels exactly so they can open up and allow more blood flow. Okay, so if you're doing drugs and you can't get it up, perhaps look at your drug use. No, absolutely. Cocaine and other stimulants um, are uh, vasoconstrictors, so yeah. they they uh, make it more difficult to get an erection. And uh, alcohol is just a, a depressant, yeah. so um, it really works more on the brain in terms of inhibiting um, that neural impulse from the brain to get an erection. So if, if you have a problem with drugs and or alcohol, I suggest that you seek treatment Absolutely. Or talk to a doctor or go to an AA meeting or an NA meeting. Uh, you don't necessarily have to share about the condition of your, your erections, but you know, get get some treatment if you feel like you have a problem. With, I've been in recovery for 10 years. Uh, I, I, got, I got sober when I was 25 so that, that I didn't have... I didn't see any impacts on my erections when I quit drinking and doing cocaine. <laughs> but, but I guess if I was doing cocaine now and then I stopped, I would feel better. Um, so... And then you said obesity. Obesity is a, a huge risk factor. And again, how much of that is, you know, psychosocial or psychosomatic? I'm, you know, Low I'm not really sure. Sure, absolutely. Self-worth. And, th- and certainly in women, that's a huge factor. Probably in men as well, although men are less likely to admit it. Uh, but, right. you know, certainly if you don't feel comfortable about in elderly people as well. A lot of elderly men do have uh, no problem getting an erection, uh, but are afraid to be naked in front of their partner. Right. You know, and so uh, that that can uh, that can be an issue for a lot of people as well. If you're elderly <laughs> and you can get it up, <laughs> and you're having a hard time getting naked in front of the misses, just do it. Yeah. She's going to be pretty stoked. So, I'm pretty sure. Um, oh, absolutely. So we, we talked about some causes. Oh, I did want to mention how much, you know, what the prevalence is. And this is a really, really common problem. Uh, you know, there was, they, they've done some studies on that. And these are questionnaires. So you even have to take these numbers with a grain of salt. Right. Uh, Self-reporting. But, but yeah, exactly. So, uh, you know, it can be up to 40% of men uh, have erectile dysfunction and it does increase with age. Uh, so, you know, at age 40, it's about 40%, but it can go up to about 70% by age 70. So, you know, huge amounts of men have this problem. And I'm also seeing patients in their twenties and thirties quite frequently having, uh, difficulties with erections. And that just didn't happen, you know, 20 years ago, I don't think, or not nearly as frequently, but the, the amount of 25 year olds that I see uh, complaining of erectile dysfunction is, is quite alarming because I think most of it is, uh, you know, stress. I think it's just the amount of stress that we have in our lives uh, right now is is a huge, huge factor in it. Because for, uh, stress, your cortisol affects your testosterone. All right. your hormones are interconnected. And if you're under stress all the time, you're not sleeping well, you're not eating well. Uh, of course, you're not gonna you're not gonna feel well. You're gonna feel fatigued, and you're gonna and that's gonna make your libido less. You're just not gonna want to have sex as much. So right. this is a huge, huge problem. Interestingly, in Europe, some European or international studies have shown uh, much lower rates. About you know thirty percent 
of men between 25 and 70. In there was a, a seven nation study where they did this, where uh, you know they found just overall all you know it, it was just much much less. And I think I think the American diet, the American levels of stress, our lifestyle is unlike most other places in in the world, and it leads to more chronic disease. We have more diabetes, more heart disease, more cancer than almost anywhere in the world, and that's because our diets suck and we we don't exercise and we don't uh, take care of ourselves. Yeah, and we work too much. And we don't sleep uh, enough. Yeah, we yeah. don't sleep enough. We work too much. We eat shit. Yeah. And we don't and we don't. We don't get we time don't, off. And we don't exercise. Yeah. Yeah, the French have a 35-hour work week. Yeah. Uh, and and 12 weeks vacation. Yeah, we have 40-hour working, but I think people are more working like 50 or 60 just to stay just to stay ahead or try to. Sure. Okay. <laughs> I mean, they, it's funny. You know, so doctors have uh, uh, a, a work week limit of 80 hours during residency. That sounds in, that's insane. It's, it's insane, right? They limit them to 80 hours. Right. <laughs> you can't go over 80 yeah, hours. Yeah. Up to 80, you're good. <laughs> Anything over, you're in trouble. <laughs> yeah, which is amazing. And they've been studying this. And in fact, a big study was published uh, in, the, in the last week where uh, they're, they're trying to figure out how to, you know, whether this was in, impacting outcomes. Uh, so they had some different residency programs try different things, and what they found was now it's still okay, it's fine. The the no no people weren't dying more because we're we're making residents work so much, so we're just going to keep it. But maybe the you know <laughs> I don't know if they tracked yeah. mental health of the residents of the residents, <laughs> yeah, I think or or boner hardness, <laughs> yes, and density. some nocturnal two medicines <laughs> yeah, testing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think they would find that there would be there's a lot less boners in overworked doctors. Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> now what? Now what? Yeah. What do you want to talk about? Well, we talked about we talked about um, the effects and the reasons, you know, behind low libido mm -hmm. and erectile dysfunction. So it would behoove us to perhaps talk about some of the uh, how to alleviate. Sure. Yeah. How how can we alleviate, you know, symptoms, or how can we get better erections? How can we increase our sex drive? What can we do short of taking you know testosterone injection sure. in the thigh? So for me, so if somebody, you know, comes into my office, uh, we're going to, we're going to definitely do some blood work. We're going to talk about, you know, diet, exercise, you know, stress management, all of those things. The big things I'm going to look for in the blood work are one testosterone levels, uh, two thyroid levels, you know, some B vitamin levels, some vitamin D levels, all those things, uh, uh, looking at your other risk factors. So make sure you don't have diabetes, make sure you don't have blood, uh, you know, high blood pressure, uh, make sure that, you know, there's no other signs of inflammation in the body. So some basic blood work, make sure you don't have any medical problems that are contributing to it. Uh, and make sure you don't have any hormone abnormalities that aren't contributing to it. Taking a look at your medicines, making sure there's no medicines that, that could be contributing to it. Uh, and then diet, you know, a huge, you know, I think sugar is a huge driver of inflammation in the body and also, uh, stress. So, uh, if you are eating, you know, if you're drinking, you know, five sodas a day and, you know, you're sleeping, you know, four to six hours a night, you know, and you don't exercise at all and you're overweight, you know, we're going to start working on that. Even if your testosterone levels are low, you got to show me you can, you can change those things and then, if your levels are still low, then we'll talk about maybe doing testosterone replacement. Right. Um, 
Let's get your life in order. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Everybody <laughs> wants a quick fix, right? You know, it's, this is America. Everybody wants, you know, their problems solved. Just give me a pill. Give me a shot. You know, and that's, and that's, you know, I understand that. Uh, but there's no easy answers for that, you know, and, and testosterone, especially, you know, if you're willing to, to be on you know, an injection the rest of your life, you know, I'm not, you know, against that. I'm my my model is really doing shared decision making. So, yeah. you know, I, I don't tell patients what to do. I tell patients, here's, you know, what I think is going on. Here's the risks of doing this. Here's the benefit of doing this. And here's the risks of doing that and the benefits of doing that. And you have to make a decision based on your goals, your values. What is the best decision for you? Yeah. So if you're like, I don't want to ever have kids and I just want to feel better and I want to do a testosterone injection every day. You know, that's that's a choice that's you know not totally unreasonable. Um, you know, th if they're honest and say like, look, I'm never going to stop eating the way I'm eating right now. I, I want to eat pizza and soda and I don't want to exercise and I'm not going to. You know, you have to meet people where they're at. Yeah. You know, and you would you you could conceivably prescribe testosterone to someone who says, I'm not going to change anything. I just want more boners. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I'm willing to take a shot every day. Yeah, and that's and that's a possibility. I know I'm going to do my best to to lay the groundwork to to help them get to the point where they want to take care of themselves. Yeah, yeah. But that's a process, and you can't you can't. I mean, just like people with addiction, you can't push somebody into recovery who's not ready for recovery. No, fuck. I'll tell you to go fuck yourself. <laughs> yeah, and it's the same thing with people changing their diet and their lifestyle. You know, you you can't. You know, you can't make somebody make changes in their lives when they're not ready to make those changes. Well, you can push them and then they'll disappear. Yes. No, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and that, and that happens all the time in my practice, you know, people, you know, people come who, you know, I tell them maybe something that they don't want to hear and I never see them again. Okay. <laughs> so, so now that being said mm -hmm. for us, for the regular, for, for the rest of people who aren't going to be doing TRT, you know, what, what can we do to, to increase the libido and to, to decrease our, or to decrease the prevalence of, of erectile dysfunction? Sure. So, you know, I think one is exercise. Like I said, the, you know, people who do a lot of cardiovascular exercise are going to have higher testosterone levels. So that's the, the best. If your testosterone levels are low and you don't exercise, start exercise. This is the number one thing. You can just get your testosterone levels up naturally just by doing 30 minutes of cardio a day. You know, if you just getting your heart rate up every day uh, for 30 minutes in a row uh, will increase your testosterone levels. Okay. So maybe give us an example of three things that people can do that don't exercise, that they just have like no exercise routine. Yeah. Well, so walking, you know, this yeah. is super simple, right? <laughs> Just walk 30 minutes. You know, it's, it's, everybody has access to it. Anybody can do it. You know, you, you have 23 and a half other hours in the day to do whatever you want. Just take a half an hour every day. Everybody has time for 30 minutes to walk every day. Yeah. You know? And so, yeah, so you can walk, you can run, you can bike, you can, you know, go to the gym and do, you know, an elliptical or if you have a home gym, but you know, anything that's going to, to, you know, swimming is a great, you know, low impact cardiovascular exercise. Yeah. So that's number one exercise. Number two is diet. Uh, and so, uh, diet is a hugely controversial area. Sure. Um, and you know, there's all kinds of advocates for vegan diets, for ketogenic diets, for, you know, paleo diets, low fat, low carb, you know, all, all different uh, types of diets. And my feeling is probably they all are good. Uh, yeah. the big things that are bad are processed foods. I think a whole food diet, if you're eating whole foods, 
um, most likely you're going to be healthy. Yeah. Uh, and so, or a lot more healthy than somebody who's eating a standard American diet or SAD diet, yeah. which is, you know, processed foods, high in sugar, high in processed fats, you know, that are highly inflammatory and are going to spike your insulin levels, spike your cortisol levels and lower your testosterone levels. Okay. So it doesn't matter really what diet you're on or what way of eating, as long as it doesn't have a bunch of processed foods and a bunch of sugar exactly. and probably a bunch of cheap carbs. Yes, absolutely. Those are huge because cheap carbs are sugar. Yeah. Uh, sugar uh, affects insulin levels. When you have a high glycemic index meal, it's going to raise your blood sugars very quickly. That's going to create an insulin response because your body's going to like, hey, that's too much sugar. Let's lower it down. Uh, that insulin has a lot of effects on the body. It one, it increases the production of inflammatory cytokines. These are the chemicals that your body makes to cause an inflammatory response. So if you get like stung by a bee, you know, your white blood cells are going to release these cytokines and, uh, you know, it's going to increase blood flow. It's, that's why you're, you know, the area gets red and hot. Uh, and so when you have these inflammatory cytokines just floating around in your blood all the time, your insulin levels spike, your body's going to produce even more of those. So your whole body is just going to get inflamed. It's all like that red, hot, uh, uh, feeling that you get when you get stung by a bee or when you get an infection, you know, that's in your whole body. And that, is a, a stressful event. So your body's going to produce cortisol. Cortisol then, you know, suppresses testosterone uh, production. So it's all, you know, kind of, uh, 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 it's all connected. And so w if the one thing you do is eliminate sugar and processed sugar and processed carbohydrates, you know, that leads, you know, one to weight loss, which then, you know, is going to improve your testosterone levels, improve your libido and improve your er erections and sex life. And it's going to make it easier for you to do exercise yes. and do cardio. The Absolutely. lighter you are, the more pull-ups you can do, the faster mm -hmm. you can run, the sure. it's less stress on your joints. Absolutely. You're going to sleep better. So that would be the third thing I would say is, is sleep, you know, so diet, exercise, sleep. Uh, and you talked about all the things that I tell people to do, get in the dark room, you know, eliminate screen time th two, three hours before bed, eliminate caffeine, you know, in the afternoon. Uh, some people are very sensitive to caffeine. Some people are high metabolizers. So, you know, you can do genetic testing to find out. Did you do that? I'm so upset. Oh, I, I thought I was a high metabolizer. metabolizer. You're not? No. And so I have switched uh, to, to drinking decaf in the afternoon. So th that's funny. And I'm the opposite. I thought I was super sensitive to, to caffeine and it, it told me that I was a high metabolizer. I'm like, oh, I don't know. I still can't sleep in my drink. <laughs> I, was really, I was really upset when I found that out. So um, these genetic tests are not perfect, by the way. But uh, So a cold, a cold, dark room, minimizing caffeine, minimizing screen time. We all know this. Yeah. It's really hard to do. Sure. It's really, really it hard to do. It takes discipline. Just like, you know, any of, you know, changing your lifestyle takes discipline. It takes, yeah. you know, planning and, uh, uh, and, and motivation. And, and a lot of people just don't have it. And, but it really, it all comes back to how much are you suffering and how, you know, how much is it bothering you that you want to make a change in your life? And some people get to that point where, you know, they just don't want to take it anymore. And that's what drives them. Or some people just, you know, or, you know what, it's too hard to change. It's, it doesn't bother me that much. I'm just not going to have sex. Yeah. Okay. So now our sleep, our sleep is dialed. Yes. Okay. Our sleep is dialed. Our diet is dialed. And then I guess stress is, is sort of like the, the last big thing that's going to have a really big effect on, you know, p potentially on libido sure. and, and, uh, and just leading a happier life. Absolutely. Um, so other than quitting your job, cashing in your bitcoins and moving to the Caribbean, <laughs> what can normal people do? Yeah. 
to reduce their stress and to have a better sex life. Yeah. So, so stress is a huge, you know, a huge part of what I do every day because everybody is stressed. You know, one of the things I ask all my patients when they come to me with a bunch of complaints that they've been to a million other doctors and nobody knows what's going on. You know, I ask them, how much do you think stress is contributing to this? And almost invariably people say, of course, it's a huge contributor. So people, we know that stress is causing problems in our lives. We just don't know how to deal with it. And again, it comes back to how much motivation do you have to, to, um, reduce stress in your life? Uh, because it takes work. You have to work on reducing stress. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I think, you know, doing one of the, the best things that I do, uh, for people is to take a, uh, screen time vacation, right? You know? Just uh, just get rid of the screen. So you have you have no choice to do other things. Yeah, you know, get outside. You know, go exercise, read a book, meditate, you know, meditate, could do yoga. You know, uh, go to the gym. All these things uh, are we know are great ways to reduce stress. Right, but we just get pulled back to this glowing box, either you know the TV screen or the computer screen or our cell phones, and. Uh, it's, I think it's one of the biggest contributors to stress. You know, it also affects our cortisol and our melatonin levels. Uh, I don't know if you've heard about, uh, you know, UV, uh, Man, you know, don't, stuff. don't act like I don't wear blue blockers, <laughs> orange and red glasses at night. <laughs> of course. And, and we know that this has an effect on our hormones, you know, melatonin is a hormone produced in our brain and, uh, you know, it interacts with all, all our other hormones. And so, uh, absolutely that, that has a big effect. So cutting out screen time, you know, is, is one huge thing for me well for, for for multiple reasons one of them is that screens give us information that might be stressful sure so whether it's your stock portfolio plummeting or an email that you got from your boss or or you know not getting enough likes on instagram that kind of stuff can contribute to stress and at the same time it's it's emitting blue lights sure which it is tricking our brains into thinking that it's still daytime. Absolutely. And here we are, we're in bed, it's 11 o'clock, we have this blue box yeah. that's shooting information <laughs> and lights and, and fake sunlight into our eyes. Sure. And our body's saying, it's, it's not, daytime. It's, it's daytime. time to be awake. <laughs> it's time to be awake. I'm gonna. I'm not gonna start producing melatonin, mm -hmm. and so then you invariably don't sleep as well. You don't sleep as deeply. You don't go to bed as early. Yeah. I found that when I cut out screens, mm -hmm. I'm bored and I go to bed <laughs> earlier and it's okay to be bored. Yes. It's absolutely. totally okay to be bored. Um, we're just, we're just not used to it because we're always looking for a distraction. Sure. And I actually just, there was a bar big article, I think it was in the New York times about how generation Z, uh, is that what they're calling them? That after the millennials, um, you know, are, now getting to this point where they're they're bored even when they're on their phones. And I'm sure you've experienced this too. Like there's nothing on my phone. I'm just sitting here closing one app, opening another, having 10 apps open and nothing. There's nothing to draw my attention. Like I'm bored even when I'm, you know, stimulated to the maximum extent. And, yeah. and that's, and, and then we're going to find that more and more. And I think, you know, hopefully this younger generation is going to start to find ways to uh, entertain themselves that's, you know, more interactive. You know, I think interacting with people is a is a, a great way uh, to reduce stress. Uh, volunteering, doing some charity work, uh, going to help out in the soup kitchen or whatever you're passionate about, whether it's arts or uh, humanities, just getting out there, interacting with people and helping, helping other people. You know, that's one of the biggest uh, uh, predictors of uh, of, uh, anxiety, uh, is not, not helping other people or not interacting with other people. So if you can, if you can get out and, 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 uh, you know, 
go have lunch with a friend or go out for coffee or go for, for a drink or do, you know, do something where you're interacting with other people, that's going to have a huge impact on, on your stress levels as well. Yeah. I mean, I find myself, I live alone with my dog and I work from home and I, you know, often find myself thinking, okay, now is the time where I'm going to go and interact with people. And, and, and it's not easy to do if you don't have friends that are readily available to hang out with you. And so I volunteer on a weekly basis. I used to deliver uh, Meals on Wheels uh, via bike. And now I, I help people fix their bikes, which is something I've done before. And and it's just there's a fresh influx of people that I can be chatting with and like meeting people. And, and I always feel good when I leave there. Yeah. Always. No, absolutely. That's that's a, that's a something everybody can do. Uh, and, uh, and so I, I encourage everybody to do that. Uh, meditation and mindfulness is my favorite, yeah. uh, way to reduce stress. Yeah. You know, it's definitely very well studied. We know that it reduces cortisol levels. We know it increases parasympathetic activity, uh, you know, and, you know, parasympathetic activity is what, uh, drives erection. So, you know, if you can, uh, if you can increase your parasympathetic activity, you're going to have better erections. Uh, meditation is also, you know, a way to kind of explore our thoughts and really be uh, at peace with them and not push them away. So one of the things in meditation that I'd like to tell people is your mind is going to wander and that's okay. You know, a lot of, a lot of what we do in meditation is push our thoughts away or what we do in real life or everyday life is push our thoughts away. You know, we, we think about something that's giving us pain and, we just like, I don't want to think about that. I'm going to go, you know, have a drink or I'm going to go have sex or I'm going to go, uh, you look know, do something phone. to change. Yeah, exactly. Look at my phone. Uh, uh, something to change that thought pattern. And so, uh, meditation can help you be alone with your thoughts and, and accept them and not push them away. Uh, so, you know, that, that's great yoga. I know uh, Tai Chi and, and Qigong are some of my favorites. Uh, and so I teach those to my patients. Uh, yoga is, you know, readily available. Anybody can go to a yoga class. There's all different levels of it. You don't have to be, you know, if you're, if you're, um, you know, not super flexible or, you know, overweight, or you don't think it's, you know, for you, you know, try a yin or restorative yoga. Those are, you know, really easy to do. Uh, and any level of person can do it no matter what body shape or type you have, uh, because it's really all about, you know, stretching the muscle. So it really works on the fascia and the muscles and tendons and allowing that uh, release. We just, we hold so much tension in our bodies. And so that type of yoga really just focuses on or letting go of that tension, allowing our muscles and tendons to release. So yeah, yeah those well, are all some of my favorites. I call, I call, I love restorative yoga. I love yin yoga. I call restorative yoga assisted napping. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Uh, because, That's pretty much what it is. Uh, yeah. They'll come in and the, you know, you, they'll put so many bolt, you could just bolster yourself into a, into a position and then just kind of sit there for 20 minutes. <laughs> uh, I, I do, I do my favorite yoga class that I do is, is sort of a, a yin yang. Mm -hmm. They'll do, you know, 40 minutes of flow yoga and yeah. then 40 minutes of yin and, I, I never really want to go and I'm always really glad I did. Absolutely. That's so, I mean, and you know, I even feel that way in my personal practice, like, Oh, like, Oh, I don't want to go do it. And then like, 
then you go do 40 minutes of Tai Chi or yoga and more meditation and ah, I feel so much better. I don't know why I didn't do this. And it's just like, it's that, you know, that, that, uh, inertia, you know, when you're, when you're, when you don't move, you know, it's the same thing with exercise. When you don't move, there's just this, uh, impetus to stay not moving. Yeah. And, uh, so, you know, getting over that is, is hard, but, uh, you know, the more you do, it's like uh, any muscle, the more you exercise it, the stronger it gets. Yeah. And I mean, I find that in, in every aspect of my life when, you know, discipline for me is very, very good because I, I, I just, I'm, I'm just not born with a ton of discipline. Mm-hmm. I feel that I am at heart a very sedentary person mm-hmm. and I have trained myself to move my body every day, whether it's yoga. I mean, I, I ride my bike everywhere, lifting, you know, yoga, rock climbing, hiking, whatever, even going on jogs. I have to do it. Because if I don't, it it should become so much easier to not do it. Sure. No, absolutely. It, it's the same thing with diet also. When I'm eating pizza, it's really easy <laughs> to keep eating pizza. Sure. And when I'm making kale salads and sweet potato, you know, roasting veggies and and it takes more effort, but I always feel better. Than, than than I do after a sugar binge. And and I think that's something that I recommend to do a lot uh, with patients is let's set let's set some goals and let's not say you're going to do this every day for the rest of your life, but let's let's say you know how how long do you think you can do it for? Do you think you could do it every day for a week? Do yeah. you think you could do it every day for a month? You know, yeah. like what are you going to do? What you know what's holding you back from from being able to do this? Yeah. You know how is this going to fit into your day? Your schedule is really busy already. When are you going to find time to cook? When are you going to find time to exercise? When are you going to find time to meditate? You know, let's let's plan it out. You tell me what's going to work for you because if I just tell them what to do. Okay, do this, this, and this, and this. It's too overwhelming. I'm and not doing going to do it. Yeah. Um, but you know, if you can uh, figure out a way to you know fit all these things in and make it manageable, and start where you are. You know, if it's like if it's not reasonable to do all those things at once. You know, let's say for a short period of time, for the next week, I'm just not going to eat pizza, or for the next week, I'm going to walk for 30 minutes every day. Yeah. You know, and get a dog. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, I have to walk my dog 45 minutes every morning, and then two two. 20 minute walks. So I'm getting over an hour, like oh, close to an hour and a half of walking every day. And that doesn't include me going to the gym. Yeah. And that means I have to get up earlier. That's it. And and in order for me to do that, that means I have to go to bed earlier, mm-hmm. which means that I, I can't really afford to be sitting on my phone at 9 p.m. Like for I sure. really need to be putting the phone down at seven, yeah. making dinner and then reading a book and or socializing with friends and going to bed at 10. Yeah, no, absolutely. And And I'm okay with that. Yeah. You know, I used to not be okay with that, but I'm, <laughs> I'm okay with that. I'm an old man now. No, absolutely. When you're young, it's hard. Yeah. So this is turning this is turning into how to turn your life around <laughs> kind of episode, which which is good because I I need I need reminders. Sure. I always need reminders. I'll, I'll start doing something, and then I'll I will some other part of my life will kind of go out of balance. And so for me, it's a it's sort of a daily practice of trying to keep everything in balance mm-hmm. and. You know, it takes discipline, but that's what I need to be happy and and healthy. That's what everybody, everybody needs balance. That's, you know, traditional Chinese medicine, you know, yin yang theory is, you know, everything is, you know, all, all disease, everything is, is due to an imbalance in, in your body, whether it's, you know, imbalance of uh, priorities or imbalance of, uh, you know, the, the chi or the energy in each organ system. Um, you know, it doesn't have to be that esoteric, but, uh, yeah, it probably is. Yeah. Uh, we're going to switch gears to the to the last piece of the puzzle, 
which I'm glad you mentioned. I hadn't actually even thought about this because I was sort of thinking about you know lower libido and and erectile dysfunction and not so much the other end of the spectrum, which is sort of overexcitability sure. and inability to control uh, ejaculation and orgasm. Sure. So let's let's talk a little bit about uh, premature ejaculation. Sure. And this can actually, this is a, a cause of erectile dysfunction as well, because, uh, you know, so, again, you know, it can be very embarrassing to, you know, have a, a one minute sexual encounter and have your partner not be satisfied and, uh, you know, you feeling inadequate and that leading to you not want to have more sexual encounters, encounters. So less libido and, and, you know, then even difficulty having an erections because of it sometimes. Uh, so there's, you know, this is a very extremely common problem. This is much more common in, in younger men. Uh, it tends to get better. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I can imagine. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, it's, it can be, you know, there are no medicines approved for it, but, um, there are some things you can do medicine wise. Uh, and then there's some things you can do behaviorally. You know, one one of the easiest things to do is uh, numbing creams. Have you ever heard of any of these? Yeah, though? desensitizing creams. Yeah, yeah. So that so that that's one option, and so some people do find that effective. Um, although then it's not as pleasurable having sex, so you know it's not yeah not a great option either. Yeah. Uh, there's a medicines. So we talked about how SSRIs, Prozac, Paxil, right. Zoloft. You know, those are antidepressants, right? Antidepressants very often cause erectile dysfunction or decrease libido, uh, but they actually um, you can take them as needed before sex, and uh, oftentimes in men it delays orgasm. Yeah. So um, some people just found that as a side effect to the medicine. Interesting. Um, so it, you know, in women usually it kills their libido. In men, oftentimes it just kills it enough that they could actually have sex longer if they have a regular <laughs> libido. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so that that can sometimes work. Um, you know, there's behavioral modifications. You know pulling out and stopping when you're close. You know, have you heard the the term edging? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, yeah. So I can talk about behavioral modifications <laughs> okay. you, yeah, in order. But yeah, go ahead. Tell, no, tell, no. tell us about edging. Well, I mean, it's really the concept of just getting as close to you can to orgasm without you know, finishing. Going over. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And, uh, uh, and that's, you know, you can do that by yourself. You know, you can do it with a partner. Uh, you know, we usually recommend, uh, in the medical literature, you know, telling people to, you know, practice during masturbation, trying to, you know, prolong orgasm as much as possible. So getting to the edge, you can use the squeeze technique or like when you're, when you're about to come, uh, you know, squeezing the penis, you know, gently, not too, too hard. Uh, <laughs> I, have you tried this? Cause it, it needs to be pretty darn hard in order to like delay ejaculation. Yeah. Yeah. It depends how close you get. I okay. Guess. Yeah. yeah. Um, but you know, the, the goal is to just to, to become aware of your body. You know, this is where, you know, meditation and mindfulness comes in and just being, being aware of your body sensations. So, uh, being aware that you're close and knowing when you're close and knowing what you need to do with your body to prevent you from going over yeah. that edge. So, the way I look at you know arousal in 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 men mm -hmm. because I'm because I don't I don't I'm not a woman so is is on a scale of one to ten okay ten being the point of no return ten mm -hmm. is orgasm is it's yes. ejaculation and so you know if I'm starting to have sex and you know maybe after a few minutes I'll be at a three and mm -hmm. then you know if I'm in a position that really feels stimulating to me maybe I'll get to a five or a seven sure and the closer I get to a ten yeah. the harder it is to back down. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes if I'm at seven, <laughs> then I'll do 
something, which is either uh, I'll slow down or I'll, I'll I'll pull out and I'll go down to maybe like a three or a five. And so it's just play with that that spectrum mm-hmm. without getting too close to a ten. And some things that work for me, like if I uh, if I'm on top, what what usually happens is. Uh, more muscles are engaged. There's more contraction. When there's more contraction, there's a higher likelihood of ejaculation, sure. right? So like, I think uh, teenagers, you know, were kind of taught to like, you know, that you shouldn't masturbate. Don't, don't, you know, you don't want to get your parents catching you masturbate. So you do it really quickly. And in order to ejaculate, you sort of tense up all your muscles. And, and like, I can probably it, during masturbation, if I do that technique where I'm just like really tense, I could probably come in like a minute easily. Sure. <laughs> So, so relaxing, mm-hmm. right? While having sex, breathing, sure, not holding in my breath, relaxing my muscles. Also, uh, being on the bottom sure. is a whole lot less work. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I could actually, I could actually be on the bottom, and it's unlikely that anyone's going to be able to make me come. You have to like really work for it. Yeah, and it's, I mean, it's happened, and and, and you know, I'm. I'm Maybe this is, I'm challenging some people to like, you know. It <laughs> doesn't if, work for me. Yeah, yeah see if, if they can do it. It doesn't work for you? No. Oh, okay, so yeah, I'm curious to, to to see what the... Well, you know, and, you know, what, but communication is also a huge part of this, right? Communicating with your partner. Uh, you know, I've had patients tell me like, you know, when I said to, you know, when, when you're getting close, slow down. And they're like, no, my wife likes it hard and fast all the time. Like, I can't slow down, you know? Hard hard and fast for me, that's, that's turns out I'm a premature ejaculator then, you know? <laughs> yeah, like, if, exactly. if you want it hard and fast, I can only do that for so much yeah. until I, I need to back down. Sure. And I mean, that's just, that's... I mean, I, I suppose mm. I could try some breathing <laughs> techniques and some relaxing. But it's hard to go hard sure. and fast and relax at the same time. Yes, no, absolutely. It's, it's like so, telling someone, "Hey, you're 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 sprinting." Well, yeah. like you know, chill out with your breath a little yeah. bit. So I mean, if if but you know, that's why it's so important to just to talk with your partner and say, "Well, you know, maybe maybe you can try some oral stimulation. Use you know, uh, use some toys. Get some some other stimulation to get." you know, her aroused to the point where, you know, she can be, you know, have an orgasm or be closing to have an orgasm before you even start having sex. And that way, yeah. you know, you, you can, uh, um, you know, both, both be uh, satisfied sexually and not, and you not feel incompetent because, yeah. you know, you can't, uh, you know, you can't uh, finish at the same time she does. Yeah. I mean, also one thing that's, I mean, it's nice to, to orgasm at the same time, but you know, it's kind of overrated. <laughs> sure. It's not, it's a nice to have, it's not a must have. Sure. Uh, one thing that works really great is if you're getting close to coming, stop, pen- stop penetration, yeah. and then go down on your partner. Yeah, no, absolutely. So like that, I mean that that usually calms me down a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think you know premature ejaculation. That I think the 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 definition was like ejaculating within two minutes of stimulation. Sure. And turns out that the the average. I did a study. The average of uh, that that men can last during intercourse seven minutes. That's that's average. That's well, the average. Yeah. So something that patients ask me all the time is, uh, with Viagra work for premature ejaculation, and and there is some uh, misconception about that. People think it works, f- but it really doesn't. 
help. Uh, you know, it, it definitely increases the blood flow down there. So you're going to get, uh, you know, a more, uh, full erection, uh, but it won't make you last any longer. However, it will, um, reduce your refractory period. Right. So you'll be able to get another erection much more quickly. Um, or can you even just keep the erection? Sometimes some yeah. people can, I mean, some people can without Viagra. I mean, it's, yeah. you know, it's, uh, it's, it really all depends. On I used person. to when I was like 17, <laughs> just keep going. <laughs> Uh, so, also, I mean, that brings up an interesting point. This usually, I can get much more excitable the first time I I, I orgasm, mm -hmm. and then the next time, yeah, I could last way longer. And I used to do this when I was younger. Mm -hmm. The first one was a throwaway. Oh, yeah. I mean, that that we just knew that I would warn them, like, look, I'm going to come really quickly, but after that, we're good. We got a good 20 minutes in the tank, no problem. Uh, that is no longer the case. That's no longer the case. So now, now I'm I'm sort of a one one orgasm per encounter, and uh, and and I and I make I'm trying to make that one last. Um, and which also a, a great way of doing that is to delay intercourse sure. and and do and do all sorts of other stuff. That there's you know. lots of, there's lots of evidence that you know foreplay should be much much longer than it than it is right now. Yeah, it's a big mistake that young people make, and I think as you get older, you you kind of learn that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and you and you sort of save save the best for last a little bit, you know. I mean, there's so much you can do with your partner. There's, you know, sensual massage, digital manipulation, oral sex, toys, role play. I mean, it just mm -hmm. the list goes on. Tie them up, whatever. It's like <laughs> and then it just makes it makes intercourse if intercourse is the goal of that that encounter, it makes it so much more exciting. Um okay, so I think we talked about some techniques. Yeah. Uh, I, I have not the, my area, your area of expertise, not mine. <laughs> I mean, yeah, we talked about some techniques. Uh, are we missing anything? I don't think so. I think that's a pretty good overview of uh, sexual dysfunction. Yeah. So uh, a little recap is is sort of, you know, if you have an issue, maybe talk to somebody about it. Uh, if you have some lifestyle changes that you think that you would like to change or that you think would help, you know, now is always a great time. No time like the present. Yeah, exactly. To start looking at 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 your you know your health, your health, your your sleep hygiene, your diet, your exercise routines. Yeah, and you don't need to go see a doctor to do that, but you know it is always good to to get evaluated, especially if you you know you have other medical problems. Uh, definitely go you know speak to a doctor before starting any you know diet or exercise regime. But even even if you're healthy, you know it's a good idea to. Try all these things, but also go get your testosterone levels checked. Go get your thyroid checked. You know, get routine blood work checked. If you, you know, if the, if you're, especially if you're young in your 20s and 30s, um, you know, you want to make sure there's nothing else going on. But I would say the vast majority of erectile dysfunction is lifestyle related. Yeah. And, and the great thing is that if you change your lifestyle, you'll have so many more benefits, not just erectile dysfunction. Absolutely. You know, feel better. You'll look better. You'll probably lose weight, less stress, sleep better. And it, the more you do it, the more benefits you get. So where can we find you? Apparently, yeah. where do you practice medicine? So I, I practice medicine in Las Vegas, although I'm also licensed in Florida. Uh, I have a, a practice here that's a direct primary care practice. So I do a monthly membership fee. I don't take any insurance. It's all a cash cash based uh, practice. And so uh, for a pretty reasonable fee, you can you can have access to me all the time. You know, I always have um, the the office phone is always on. We can always take phone calls. We do I do a lot of text messaging, email, uh, and that kind of stuff to uh, uh, do what's best for the patients. So I don't have to, they don't have to, you know, 
if they're sick, they don't have to wait a month before getting in to see me. And I also do the functional medicine where I do some specialized lab testing and all of these things. Uh, we're very active on social media. I'm on uh, uh, Facebook, Wishing Wellness Medical is the name of my practice. Okay. Also on Instagram, the Wishing Wellness Medical Instagram page. I also have a food blog called Dr. Chi MD. That's uh, Dr. Chi QI as in uh, you know Chi, Tai Chi, and uh, Qi Gong, although Tai Chi is not technically the same, but... Right, right. <laughs> also, also chi life force exactly yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. so that's the that's my doctor <laughs> chi so yeah you can see what what i eat on a daily basis uh and uh, uh uh vegas yoga is also another account that my wife and i have we do uh, acro yoga partner yoga uh all around las vegas highlighting some of the street art in uh, las vegas so you can check that out as well okay so if you're in uh, las vegas or in nevada right mm -hmm. uh, you could be a patient absolutely wishing wellness medical.com and then if you're not, but you want some some like tips on how to improve your lifestyle and your health, uh, wishing wishing wellness medical on Facebook and on Instagram are are two like very active very active accounts. <laughs> by the way, uh, do you have a parting word for our for our guests for our listeners? I think uh, the big thing is if you want to make changes in your life, start now because there's no time like the present. Thanks, Doctor Scott. <laughs> All right, take care. All right, you too. Hey everyone, just a heads up that I'll be in the San Francisco Bay Area from May 9th to May 22nd. And if you have a story about sexuality, intimacy, or kinky shit that you'd like to share with me on the show, then send me an email with your proposal to podcast at thelovedrive.com. The Love Drive is produced by me, Sean Galanos, with the help of Guilford Street Studios. You can find more information about me or The Love Drive by going to thelovedrive.com. If you want to know more about what was talked about in this episode, then check out the links in the show notes on my website or your podcast app. If you like the show, it would mean the world to me if you can go to iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe. The more people like you that subscribe, the easier it'll be for new listeners to find the show. This means a lot to a small self-produced podcast like this one because I don't have the marketing or operating budget to compete against the larger podcasts. So if you like the show, then subscribe and tell a friend. Short of sending me cold hard cash in the mail, it's the most powerful thing you can do right now to help me out, and it should take about 15 seconds. And please stick around. I have some great episodes coming your way. Boom.